about to listen to a sermon from Newtown Erskineville Anglican Church. As a church, we want to see whole communities captivated by Jesus Christ and living out His freedom. Jonah's anger at the Lord's compassion. But to Jonah this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, Is it right for you to be angry? Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said, and I'm so angry I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, You have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals. Well, we're in our last week in our series on the book of Jonah, a strange little book in the Old Testament, which is full of stories of the God of heaven showing people mercy. Let's have a quick recap. In chapter 1, there are a bunch of sailors People who knew nothing of the real God, and in the midst of a storm, they cry out to God, and he shows them mercy. And then in chapter 2, the wayward, disobedient prophet Jonah is in the, the belly of a fish and cries out to God for mercy and is expelled onto the shore. In chapter 3, an entire city is preached judgment by Jonah, and they adorn themselves in sackcloth and call on God, and he relents and shows Mercy. It's a stunning picture of God, the God who willingly withholds what we really deserve and instead shows us favor and kindness and grace and love. That's the merciful God we see in the book of Jonah. But what's interesting is that the book doesn't end in chapter 3. Jonah's done what he's been told to do and everyone's been shown mercy, but somehow God has something else that he wants to do. 
And that's why in chapter four of the book of Jonah, we really arrive at the heart of its message. And what really God is longing to do in Jonah. You see, God's not content for Jonah to have done his work. God wants Jonah to share his heart. His heart to show mercy to anyone, to pagan sailors, to violent Ninevans, to wayward prophets. And it's a summons to us as well. To not only receive God's mercy, but to have a heart for all people to receive it as well. So I've got four things for you today about your heart and God's heart. And the first one of them is this. What we see in the book of Jonah in this chapter is that emotions are actually the window into our heart. You see, the beginning of chapter 4 of Jonah, uh, it it takes off right after the end of chapter 3, where God saw what the Ninevites did, that they repented, that they mourned their evil, and he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. God's anger turns away from the Ninevites. But what happens in chapter 4, verse 1, Jonah, to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. And really, this whole chapter is an examination of Jonah's anger. There's that question twice in the chapter, verse 4, is it right for you to be angry? And again in verse 9, is it right for you to be angry? You see, the anger of Jonah in this chapter reveals the distance between his heart and God's heart because emotions, strong emotions like the one Jonah feels, often are windows into our heart. It's very jarring to get to verse 1 of chapter 4 and see how out of sync God and Jonah are. Jonah looks at what God does in relenting from sending judgment, and it it says this was very wrong to him. Literally, he thought, this is a disaster. What a disaster. A great disaster, it literally reads. Jonah thinks God's mercy is almost morally wrong. And he's filled with this Fierce anger toward God. Now, God uses this as a moment to question him. And Calvin has an interesting way of describing what this is like. In in his questions, God reminds Jonah to examine his own heart. As though he said, look on yourself as in a mirror. You'll see what a boisterous sea is your soul being seized as you are by so mad a rage. God is summoning Jonah to examine his anger. Anger is not necessarily bad. There's lots of cases of good anger in the scriptures. But in this case, Jonah's anger betrays a difference between his heart and God's heart. Now, just before we move on, it's worth considering how often all our wild emotions really are in the same way windows into our hearts. I don't know about you, but I'm having a lot of strong emotions recently. Some big lows, some big moments of frustration and pain and disillusionment and anger. Just feeling overwhelmed by sometimes the ordinary things of life. A couple of times recently, I've gotten really frustrated with, with things not working, like tech in church. Just last week, I tried to record the Archbishop, and I got to the end of a lovely sermon that he gave, only to realize that the sermon recording had failed. I was filled with frustration the whole day. 
it was an interesting moment for me because I realized that I was so frustrated and it was showing me something about my heart. I maybe cared too much about the tech going well for the archbishop. And then maybe it was just struggling a bit, feeling overwhelmed about life at the moment. Are you opening your emotions to God at the moment? Are you seeing what they tell you about him and about you? One good thing you could do each day at the moment is just get to the end of the day, write down what happened and write down how you felt through the day. And then invite God to examine it like he examines Jonah here. Wow, I was really frustrated. I was really angry today, God. Show me what was happening there for me. Show me what was moving in me. Show me what this tells me about my heart. Oh, search me and know me, God. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in a way everlasting. Emotions are windows into our hearts. But the second thing we see in Jonah today is that it's possible to do God's work without God's heart. You see, that's what Jonah's anger reveals. He obediently preached against Nineveh, but he did it longing not for them to receive mercy, but for them to be overthrown in judgment. And we see that in verse 2. Here we get the, the big reveal of why Jonah ran in the first place. He prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord? Where we see into the conversation that Jonah had with God in chapter 1. When I was still at home, this is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. What was Jonah concerned about? He was concerned about God's mercy. He was concerned about the fact that God would forgive these evil Ninevans. And you can feel for Jonah here, isn't it? Like Jonah's whole worldview is being exploded by what's happening. Evil people like Nineveh should not receive mercy. They're not worthy of it. They're too violent. They should not be forgiven. You can't just forget evil. You can't just wipe it under the rug. Jonah is having his whole worldview shaken by God's mercy. Is this even right? I mean, Jonah is so disturbed by this that he even considers death worthwhile. It has rocked him to his core, rocked him to the very center of himself. These are strong emotions he's feeling. And I don't know if you're feeling these things today, friend. If life has really pressed you to a dark place, know that we'd love to pray for you and hear from you. And we'd love you to reach out. Don't stay in the darkness alone. Reach out to God. Reach out to us. But what's being revealed in this honest struggle that Jonah is having is is really that he went to Nineveh without God's heart. He talks about being upset about this God who shows mercy and compassion, who's slow to anger and abounding in love. And these phrases, it comes from Exodus. It comes from a special moment in Exodus where God is proclaiming his name to Moses. God, God, the almighty, the compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love. This is how God treated Israel. This is his special love, his faithful love, his compassionate, warm love to his special people. And Jonah is pointing his finger at God and saying, how dare you treat anyone the way you treat us? How dare your mercy extend beyond the banks of your special people? How is it right for you to extend your mercy outward to others? Jonah then camps out in verse 5 at a place overlooking the, the city. 
to see what would happen. Jonah is longing for the city to be judged and destroyed, and God is longing for the city to experience mercy. Jonah did God's work, but he didn't have God's heart. And it's interesting that for God, that wasn't enough. It wasn't enough to just be obedient. He wanted Jonah to share his concern for the city, to share his concern for lost people, to share his concern even for the most violent of human creatures. Do you do God's work without God's heart? Does the mercy of God rattle and shake you the same way it does to Jonah? Is there a distance between your heart and God's heart? The third thing we see revealed in this chapter is that God's heart has an intimate concern for all his creatures. You see, that's the answer to the question of how can God show compassion and mercy to Nineveh as well as his special people Israel? The answer is that, well, God loves all of his creatures. He is an intimate creator who weaves them together and and is concerned for them in every moment and in every way. And there's a really interesting way this comes out in the narrative. God wants to show Jonah his concern and show the distance between their hearts. And he does it by letting a vine grow up over Jonah and giving him shade. It says that he is very happy about this, but then God gives a worm and the worm chews through the vine uh, and destroys it. And then God sends a wind and the wind makes it excruciating for Jonah. So much so that again, he says it'd be better for me to die. That's interesting because the, the way all these things are phrased is that God is intimately at work in the growing of the vine. What does it say? He provided a leafy plant. And then what does it say? The next day, God provided a worm, verse 7. And then God provided a scorching east wind, verse 8. So God is the cause of all these things happening. In fact, we've seen this all the way through Jonah. God is the one who put the storm on the sea in chapter 1. God is the one who sent the fish after Jonah in chapter 2. God is this intimate creator. Calvin says about this and about the worm, I love this in particular. He says, it is yet ever true that the gnawing even of worms are directed by the counsel of God, so that neither a herb nor a tree withers independently of his purpose. Even further, nature is not some blind impulse like winds just going the way they want, but a law settled by the will of God. You see, Jonah challenges our vision of the world. It's not just a blind world kind of running on its own steam, but there is a God in charge of it, growing things, tending them. You mean all through the book of Jonah, we've seen God tending Jonah, patiently, gently, deeply, truly. This one creature waiting for him, waiting for the penny to drop in him. This is God, the God who is intimately concerned for every creature. Even at the end of the chapter, he's concerned for the many animals in Nineveh. You see, God has an intimate concern for all his creatures. And in the growing up of this vine and its death, uh, God has this great question he poses to Jonah. Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And Jonah says, well, yes, I'm angry enough to die. And God says, you're concerned about this plant. You didn't tend it. You didn't make it grow. It came up one day and it left the next. You, know, you, had, you suddenly are so concerned about this plan, but you had nothing to do with it. How much more am I concerned 
for 120,000 people whom I have tended, whom I have grown, whose every story I know as closely as yours, Jonah, who I am gentle and patient and waiting for in the same way that I wait for you. See, the basis of God's longing for the Ninevans to repent and come back and receive mercy is that he is their creator. And not just a distant deity, but a close, proximate, gentle, patient God. Richard Bird was uh, an explorer who uh, flew over the Antarctic, one of the first people, and he, very, in a very gutsy way, decided at one point to spend five months alone in Antarctica. Think about your self-isolation and think about doing it in Antarctica for five months. Here's a picture of his cabin. See, it's just a little box in the ground, right? And he did it during Antarctica's long night. Every time he opened the hatch, it was pitch black darkness. He has a little stove that ended up actually was toxic and was killing him. But, you know, there you go. It still kept him alive through food. And it's funny, though, in his journal, a few months in, to being on his own in the middle of an Antarctic darkness. He says, you know what? The universe is not dead. There is an intelligence there. It is all pervading. The human race then is not alone in the universe. Though I am cut off from human beings, I am not alone. Why? Because there is a God who has an intimate concern for all his creatures, every single one, especially those he made to be his image bearers. And and so finally we get to this point, and this is the great center of the book of Jonah, the great finale, and, and it's God's longing. This is my fourth point. God wants us to widen our concern. God wants us to make his heart our heart. That's that great word that comes up at the end of this whole book. You have been concerned about this plant. Should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh? The word concern, it's a really interesting, different Hebrew word. Uh, it's, It's for showing pity, for being grieved and troubled over someone in a desperate situation, for responding to someone in particular need. God says to Jonah, you know what? You are so concerned about that vine. And actually through the last chapter of Jonah, there's lots of mentions of I from Jonah. Lots of concern about himself. But God wants him to be concerned not just with himself, but with all the creatures whom he loves. God points to the city of Nineveh and says, there are 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left. 120,000 people who live in spiritual darkness, who don't have the law of Israel, who don't know who the true God is, who don't know where to receive mercy, who will receive judgment instead when they realize at the last minute, having not known what position they were in before their maker. Should God, the God of compassion, the God of mercy, the God who longs to not vent his anger but show his grace, should he not be concerned for those creatures whom he has made? And that's where the book ends. It's an open question. We don't even know what happens to Jonah. We don't know whether he gets on board with God's heart or not. 
It's an open question to us as well as readers. What will happen to us? Will we live a life just focused on ourselves and our own concerns? COVID is narrowing our concerns, don't you think? To our daily problems, to our daily necessities. And maybe God is asking us through the book of Jonah to not narrow them, but instead widen them to the, those around us in spiritual darkness, to those around us who do not know the mercy of our God, to those around us who don't even know that daily they are tended by an intimate and loving and gentle and patient creator, and yet they stand under his judgment. Friend, God is summoning you today to extend your concern. One simple way to do that is to start to pray. Here's my favorite quote on prayer from Richard Lovelace. If every Christian, he says, daily simply prayed for the most obvious spiritual concerns around them in their home, in their workplace, in their church, the transformation that would result would be incalculable. If we just as God's people decided to be concerned in prayer for the showing of his mercy every day, the whole world will be turned upside down. You know, God is not asking you to just be concerned about everyone tomorrow. Maybe just asking you to be concerned about one more person tomorrow. Who's one person whom you need to take on God's heart for in your family, in your corridor, on your work, why don't you say a prayer after this message and say, God, show me who my person is. Show me the people where I can widen the concerns of my heart in this season. Show me those people who you want to show mercy to, whom you want me to make your character known to, because I know that you are a God of mercy and compassion and grace. You see, and that is the secret to our concerns growing. Jonah, in the end, had a too inferior experience of God's mercy. He knew it in his head and God was using it to scramble his heart. You see, it's only when we realize the depth of God's mercy, how undeserved it truly is, how radical it is, how it can extend to the worst person, to every person. Only when it rattles us, is it ringing true and will it extend our concerns? You know, Jesus Christ came to the world And he knew the compassion of God. And he's the one who did not want to die because people had received God's mercy. He's the one who chose to die to make mercy available for all. It's because of the death of Jesus that the floodgates of mercy have been opened to every nation, to every soul, to every human creature. In the cross of Jesus, God's beating heart for the world is exposed. And he is summoning us to be rattled by his mercy until it propels us out to share it with his world. May God use us to make his mercy known in this season. Amen.
for listening to the Newtown Erskineville Anglican Church Podcast. For more audio content and information about our church, please visit neac.com.au.